Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, a beautiful afternoon for a good game of football now, and it looks as though we have the making of it. Barnes has come in. Welcome back to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt Messiano is still locked in the Stadium of Light dressing rooms, we we think. So once more, it's myself, Tom Bodell, and I'm joined by Jordan Weimer. Jordan, how are you doing after that absolute and utter abomination last night? Ooh, yeah, um, yeah, I'm doing fine. Shit show, consider, all, all things considered, you know. Um, yeah, the, I'm glad we can decompress and talk about it a little bit and hopefully maybe... Um, Maybe bring some some closure on events to to anyone that's listening as well, uh, yeah, potentially, or make things worse. Who knows? Yeah, it's going to go one or two ways, isn't it? I often think these things are like group therapy, but um, hearing someone else's considered thoughts often adds things to make you upset and angry. So let's let's see how we feel in in an hour, in a half an hour or so's time. We only spoke on Monday, and a hell of a lot has happened since. Needless to say, with these things, the kind of big news of the week came immediately after we recorded. Uh, and that is that Valerian Ismail has extended his contract with Watford. The timing of that feels significant, and we'll, we'll get into that in a bit more depth in a while. It feels kind of futile discussing the real, you know, ins and outs and X's and O's of the defeat at Sunderland on Wednesday night. And 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 to that end, I've been trying to work out what the the underlying theme here is. How do I kind of piece it all together? What is it that we want to? really talk about is it the fact that we're so easy to play through lack of quality in the final third inability to create good chances leadership recruitment ownership all of these things but I think the overarching thing and the thing I just wanted to start on is the big picture right and they said it at the end of the commentary last night on Sky in the UK it's our worst start to a championship season in 20 years so are we actually a poor side that is precisely where we should be in the championship table on the evidence of the first 10 games? Or are there some sort of mitigating factors? Obviously a big question. And I think what is probably worth us getting up front, we're, we're recording the morning after the game and there are still, there's so many things to, to think about and consider maybe our thoughts won't be as um, c- prepared in some ways as we as we might like them to be. I think there's going to be a lot of change in opinion over the next few days and weeks as 
as things develop. But um, look, I think you can't, you know, broadly speaking, you can't look away from the reality of the situation in, in regards to, to position in the league. You know, performance has been pretty bad, especially the last three games. And I think, you know, you could you could argue there's there's a lot to be concerned about. Um, I, I still do have some some confidence. I do still have some feel some positivity towards what we're trying to accomplish and, and the way we're going about some things. But what I will say that's been concerning is um, we're starting to see traits from a team perspective that we've seen in the, in the Watford side too often over the last few years. And we kind of hoped that potentially we'd started to uh, begin to eradicate. I don't think any of us thought that these would just go away overnight, but you know, at the beginning of the season, it felt like we were maybe growing a little bit and to see them come back and, and rear their heads again is a little bit, you know, I think we're, we're already a little bit on edge and when we see it, we get even more, you know, even more cautious and even more scared of the reality that we, we might be seeing. So I don't think we're. I don't think we have to be a terrible team. We've seen us perform in, in certain areas, but you know we haven't capitalized. Obviously, however, if we do play like we did last night, you, you can't argue that there there are concerns. You know, in, in terms of league position and potential relegation and and so on, because it is a competitive league, and if you're not meeting the standards required, then you know nothing's stopping you from from getting tied up into these things. Now, I, I personally, at this point, feel like we won't be. But you know the, the the game last night was very poor, so I do understand that that train of thought as well. How, how about you? I mean, I feel like we're going to attack this from multiple angles over the next mm. hour or so. But it, it, up front, how how do you feel? Yeah, I think I've been fairly consistent. I think in saying that I reckon this is a probably mid-table to lower mid-table squad. We're obviously below that at the moment, right here, right now. Yes, it's a relegation battle. It's ten games in. I think. We can't lose sight of that. I also think that it's still fairly early in the season and you can't say that for much longer, but the table will shake out fairly soon and we'll get a fairer representation of where everyone's going to be and what and, and where we should be and, and, and what we're facing. I think it's pretty much from the first game of the season being like Schrodinger's Watford. We didn't really know if it was going to be good or bad, alive or dead. And I think that is still just about the case as a result of all the kind of change, change of head coach, change of style of play, turnover of players, even the fact that we now seem to back coaches rather than sack them. But, you know, before long, you have to start going, well, it looks like shit and it tastes like shit, so it's probably shit. Um, You know, in the next probably five games or so, that is the conclusion we're going to have to draw. So I'm fine with with being lower mid-table. I'm absolutely fine with that. You know, we've been there before, we'll be there again, um, if taken in isolation. If you look at it across 10 years of pots of ownership and say, well, we're basically back to where we were when they rescued us, then I think that's when you get angry and that's when you start looking at the the wider things and the existential crisis that we're in that, you know, we've had such a great platform to build on and we've we've squandered it. I was listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes um, last night and I caught the rest of it on the podcast this morning, uh, sorry, this afternoon as I was just walking before we convened and someone came on and made a really good point, I thought, which was that look at where Luton were 10 years ago when the Potsos came in. You know, we reached the kind of highs of nearly top half of the Premier League table, FA Cup final, they were kind of fiddling around in League Two and have kind of risen with good decision-making and so on. And we've gone, with all the resource and the advantage, have gone in the opposite direction. I think that really kind of boiled it down for me to the nub of the issue, which I think that the players and the the, the management are 
irrelevant in all of this across the whole piece. It is bigger than them by far. And I said after the uh, the fan forum in the summer when we convened to, to kind of go over that, you know, my position had shifted from Pozzo absolutely doing fine, stays, etc., to it's now time to consider that if there's a better option, it's time for him to go. And I am firmly in that. If I was tentatively in that camp before, over the course of the, the summer and now, I'm, I'm absolutely firmly in that camp because I just don't see a way forward. It's not out at any cost, but it's out in the right circumstances. I don't see a way forward because, I, as I say, I think, and this is why we're not really going to talk about the match itself, it is so much bigger than, you know, individual errors on the field, did he make the right substitution at the right time, etc., and so on. It's 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 a much kind of higher level that we need to be looking at and, and scrutinising. I think, right? Yeah, I mean, the, I think there's there's some some merit to be had in in kind of looking at the the finer details, and you, you know, you can look at the, the the playing staff, the coaching staff, and and so on, and kind of work your way up to the ownership. And I think they've all have their own roles to play in it. Um, but obviously, you know, ultimately it, it comes down to the, the decision of the owner. And I think, you know, end of last season, I think most of us, most Watford fans were were very dismayed with the direction we were heading in in our approach and our lack of consistency in, in our approach and so on. And I think that for me, you know, we, we started to see evidence of relinquishing of control in certain areas from the owner, which was encouraging. Um, you know, it's anecdotal, obviously, but from people that I've spoken to at the club at the training ground there were a lot of positive feelings about some of the changes that were taking place with um you know with some of the new incomings such as Ben Manga and so on um and the and the new coaching staff and I think there is an air of positivity that's been there and is still there to some extent I I, I believe but you know you, you have certain parameters which are on you and uh, certain restrictions that are in place and i think whilst I, I mean look i'm not a fan of the owner personally um i haven't been since last season i don't think we can trust any promises that are said i think we can only deal with with actions that are taken and, and evidence that we see i i accept there are lots of things at play at a football club that it's hard for us to judge from the outside because we don't have all of the information to to fairly judge roles which are heavily behind the scenes such as you know sporting directors even head coaches um it's a little unfair at times but ultimately if we're always heading in the wrong direction you have to assume there are some errors being made in in those departments too but you know the the owner went into this season with a squad that we all accepted was not at the standard required to compete for promotion and you know and and, and so on and we, we lost some key assets and we had to restructure and i think that we we felt the the head coach and and even the sporting director himself didn't have the resources at their disposal to to reshape the squad now and i think in some ways that's fair you know it's, it's, a, it's a multi-window thing for sure but you know I, I think performances like last night it does emphasize our our, our lack of quality in certain areas but the last three games, last three games, we've shown a real lack of ability to to control. Um, and when I say control, I don't just mean have possession. I mean just feel any sort of dominance or or kind of um, authority in any aspect of play, whether that's on the ball, off the ball. And I think last night, um, I tweeted during the game, but I think every, I think most people felt quite similar that there was a whilst we weren't terrible first half, 
it felt like a sense of inevitability that we were going to concede at some point and it was just a matter of time. It was one of those away games that, you know, you could just, you could put a different kit on the Sunderland players and it could have been any one of our away games over the last, you know, five years in some ways, wasn't it? It was one of those sort of performances we just kind of knew. Um, what what is what is that? What's the main thing there? What's the, what's the big difference between um, between QPR at home and, and Sunderland away? Is it just as simple as quality, or is is there something else? I would say the big difference, even if you disregard the opponents, right? Obviously, we caught QPR, who are a weaker team than Sunderland, on a day where they p- played badly from start to finish. I do think that it boils down to two things. Personally, I think it's the, and, and one of them is a massive cliche, and we've said it time and time again this season, but it's intensity. And that intensity was evident from the word go all over the field. And that's why we scored the first goal. We were pressing them all over the place and we didn't let them settle. We didn't let them breathe. We didn't give them a moment. And I don't think we've really seen that. I was just trying to work this out. I was just looking at the fixture list whilst you were, whilst you were talking there. And I don't think we've really seen that since the, um, the first international break, since we got, since we got back from that. I, I went, I was, Obviously, I missed the QPR game because I was on uh, I was on holiday. I went to Plymouth, didn't go to Stoke because it was away. Watched Blackburn, and then I got married on the day of the Coventry game. But I think I've seen all the other games one way or another, and it just feels like that. That's a clear separation point from that first international break to now. QPR was to QPR to now is obviously very stark, right? Four 0 win, we were excellent. But it's, I think it's the intensity. And I think the more that this kind of run of results and performances has continued, it's become a confidence thing. And I do think that although I kind of poo-pooed it and said it just shouldn't be a thing after Leeds where Backman said, you know, we'd lost in the kind of tunnel, the players were overawed, blah, 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 mentality, mental strength. I do think there's an element of that. I just don't, I think there's, there's a character, whatever you want to call it, character, mentality, discipline, probably all these things, the the intangibles that you can't really qualify sometimes have all coalesced in a way that is far from optimal. And I think there's a lack of leadership. I think there's a lack of character, a lack of backbone, people that are prepared to fight when the going uh, gets tough. You know, we've conceded six, eight goals in uh, just over a week, or a week, sorry, eight goals in a week. We're not seeing the things that we saw in the first couple of games in terms of that intensity, in terms of that those patterns of play. Like We're not even... One of the, the first things that was abundantly obvious abundantly clear sorry in the QPR game and I saw it in the Plymouth game when I went as well was the way that the fullbacks tucked into midfield and it does you know played as kind of inverted wing backs made that midfield strengthened that midfield I mean correct me if I'm wrong but I'm not seeing that at all and I haven't seen that for weeks in essence now that might be a clear tactical thing from Ishmael but I kind of felt like that was you know it was so it was so prevalent that I thought right that's clearly going to be something that this team is going to do for the majority of the season. Now, obviously, sometimes I guess you don't do it because, you know, the the, the situation lends itself to it or doesn't. And, you, you know, you counter out what the other team are doing. There's the train or you look for a different avenue to attack and you need your your wing-backs to provide the width, your full-backs to provide the width in those circumstances. But that's just, you know, a couple of the things that were, were so kind of evident against QPR. And I just don't think... Sorry against Plymouth, definitely. I'll say Miss Stoke. Blackburn, we started to lose our way a bit, and and I just don't think we've really we've really seen a, a lot of this kind of intensity and and so on since. Um, so from there to now, that those those are the kind of the the, the big the big things for me. But I do, I do think a lot of it boils down to the the confidence to execute these things boils down to exactly that confidence. And I I wonder what place that 
changing room is is in now because we lamented a lack of leaders last season. We lost a lot of players, moved on a lot of players, whatever it may be. But you look at it now, there are players in there with 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 experience. The likes of Wesley Hoot has obviously played at a good level, played uh, internationally for Holland. Jamal Lewis is international. Ryan Portis is international. Tom Ince and Jake Livermore have been around. You know, there are others who are international, fairly kind of senior internationals. But there are a lot of young guys in there now and a lot of players that are fairly new to this club, fairly new to this league. And I do, I do wonder if we have kind of missed a trick in that respect. And I know this is now a very long kind of tangential uh, uh, answer to your question, very simple question, but um, a lot is made of Jake Livermore and kind of his role, you know, oh, he's not playing because he's rubbish and he's old and he can't do 90 minutes, but at least he's great in the changing room. Ha ha. You know, this is a, this is a joke. But, you know, that was the point of signing someone like him. And I'm not blaming Jake Limor for one second. Don't misconstrue it as that. But I do wonder if we needed a few more people like him. Did we let people like Craig Cathcart go too early? You know, I don't want to sound revisionist. I don't because I didn't want to see another year of Cabaselli and Cathcart and whatnot. I was, I'm all for the refresh and, all for the, and I was all for the refresh and I remain all for the refresh. But part of me wonders if we have jumped the shark a little bit in terms of the characters in this squad and you can't, and I don't think either, by the way, that you can do that in, in a single summer, you know, the last time we probably had such a brutal clear out, I think, and I stand to be corrected. It was the, um, the summer that A.D. Boothroyd had between taking over from Ray Lewington and kind of stamping his own mark on the squad, you know, let a lot of players go. People like Dyche, Ardley, Cox, Brynjolgen Arsson, Heide Helgeson all left and we signed a reasonable amount of players, you know, didn't spend a huge amount of money, but spent a proportion of the money that we raised. And, you know, he got in people like Mackay, Carlisle, Matt Spring, guys who had, you know, good amount of experience around this level. And, you know, Malky Mackay, how important was someone like that, 33 or 34 when we signed him? Marlon King was another one, you know, 29 or something when we signed him, had been around the block. I might be wrong about his age, to be honest. I think he was probably a bit younger than that. But, you know, had been around the block and knew the division. And I don't think you can um, overstate the value of, of, of players like that, you know. So I, I do, there's part, I can't even remember what the original question was now. I've gone, I've gone off for so long but I do I do think that is a big part in it that's what I'm trying to say yeah no I think I think that's accurate I think I think it's tough too we, we referred to this we referred to this club in in regards to to ter- like you know in inverted commas resetting as a cruise ship something you've got to turn around slowly and laboriously to get it back on course and I think that is you know when you look at time frames it is, it is multiple seasons I, I I think for me you know, we talk about character. Um, there's a distinct lack of character, uh, and, and you know, a lot of this, a lot of the time, you would in, in recent years, you put it down to almost that kind of almost like a level of PTSD that was experienced from being in poor Watford. You know, the, the players that were involved in those Man City away games and the, the the FA Cup finals and so on, like all these all these lost moments where you, you just started to feel the, the squad and the mentality start to crumble. You know, those players are less and less now. There's, they're not around like they were. They shouldn't still be affecting us. But I do I do wonder if there there is a, a culture of maybe mercenaries is hard, but is there a plan that do these these players feel that like they're joining a club with a distinct direction, goal, 
um, that's laid out in a clear manner, a clear manner with um, achievable targets, or, or do they feel like they're joining a club that's you know a reasonably big Championship club that has the potential to you know maybe we'll get back into the Premier League, maybe it will be a good payday, maybe it will be a good progression point. Joining that team, joining that sort of setup, joining that sort of club is very easy for players to start losing responsibility because I don't think that there are players in this team that if you put them into a different situation. If you put Imran Loser into a, into a Leicester team, I'm not talking about quality of teammates, I'm talking about, you know, just in terms of overall direction and goal. Or if you put, you know, any of these guys, a Wesley Hoot into that team, are you still going to see these same issues that arise on the field, on the pitch, that show a distinct lack of character? Or is it because it it trickles out and bleeds into every member of the squad in some capacity, whether it's subconscious or not? Is there an element of lack of belief that, is there for it has been for years and it's just not gone away because it takes time. Um, and, and it's not as simple as just bringing in a head coach that, that has that. I, d- I don't know, but there's something because I just don't think that, I don't think that we've been even just by rule, like by law of averages, we'd have to be actively looking for bad characters to find <laughs> so consistently for a number of years, that many players that, that do lack the qualities and the intangibles you need to, to overcome these sorts of situations because it's happened time and time again. And as I said, those guys in the FA Cup final, they're not here anymore. You know, Ken Semmer, that's about it, isn't it? So pretty much, you, yeah. you can't, you can't just blame it on, on those aspects. And I think we have to establish and identify what that reason is. And maybe we have, we haven't done enough about it, perhaps. Maybe we have. You know, Ismail has talked about wanting to keep certain characters around and, and getting rid of players that don't want to be here. And that's fine. That's fine. But uh, is everyone bought in? That's the key, I think, isn't it? That Because you can, yeah. you can be the, you can be a, a good character and a good sort. But I think if they, if they think they're coming here for an easy time or, and I, and I'm going to come on to this in a bit, you know, the, the manager changes and take, cause the manager takes the blame. So it's kind of a, a fairly low pressure environment. We, you know, we're not a huge vociferous crowd. Are they really bought into the project or are they coming here for a, for an easy ride? I, I do wonder if and that's It doesn't thing. have to be nefarious either. No, 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 no. It's, it's true. It doesn't have to be, you know, this is because these are going to be like elements you're not even going and thinking about. You know, if you've got a young player coming in, it's not so much he's coming in and thinking oh, this is going to be an easy ride, but, you know, it's a, it's a day-to-day cultural thing in the workplace that starts to seep into the way you perform, the way you project yourself, and uh, and it translates into, you know, these sorts of performances. In my opinion, I think it's a, I think it's a big aspect. And, uh, you know, in, in some ways, potentially, this is part of the thinking behind extending someone like uh, Valerian Ismail, where it, you know, you, you're taking away some of that that get-out clause that, that the players have had in, in, in previous years. And I think we need it. And, you know, maybe that's not the correct way of doing it, but I think we have to address it. And if that if that is an uh, an attempt to do so, then then fine. But So why does this happen, do you think, then? Is it because we're bad at identifying players? Do we not do our due diligence at all? Can we not afford, you know, you have to kind of make a sacrifice. So you go between, you know, the character, the technical, the tactical, you go... Well, the technical and the tactical is more important to the the manager and the physical. So we'll just overlook the character. You know, every club talks about, every manager talks about. It's such manager speak, isn't it? Oh, it's it's the character before anything else, the personality of the player before anything else. I've got to look them in the whites of their eyes and all this. Well, what are we missing then? I appreciate it. it's an impossible question to ask from answer from the outside looking in. No, I think it's I think it's not in some ways that you got you got a cult of that. You know, you, if you're in any other workplace, if you have you could bring in the best. You could bring in the best leader, the best, the, the best character possible. If you bring him into a in, into a toxic environment, there's only so much that's going to happen from that. You know, you have to be able to you have to bring the right 
ingredients into the right situation. You can't just throw it in and expect it to work. And it's a tough one to dissect. It's a tough one to, if you're at the club, it's a tough one to to identify as a tough one to 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 recalibrate and I, this is where i think you know from a, even just going into stylistically i, I think we'll, we'll get on to ben manga and the head coach soon i'd like to do that but just going on to ben manga real quick i i liked the idea of direction from a from a playing perspective that he had in regards to style of football maybe this was an element maybe it wasn't maybe it's just from his cultural background and style of football that he enjoys and he he likes to work towards likes to recruit for but i thought a proactive pressing counter pressing team that plays on the front foot plays the intensity plays the aggression is a is the exact the the exact right sort of style we should be playing because those elements are personality traits and and factors. We've just not seen that desire and effort on the pitch for so long. It's a great tonic for the fans, but also it's, it, you, you, you sell players on that style of football because there's a tangible result that comes from it. And also you feel a collective effort. And that's something that we really, we really struggled with. So I think that was a good idea. We haven't quite seen it implemented like I thought we would, but I do think that Ismail has um, a lot of the the qualities needed to 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 to, a, to adapt what we are doing and bring in those those that style itself and, and find a way to make that work. The problem is obviously we have to have pieces and we have to we have to get to a point where it's where it's feasible. And you know, this is where this is where it gets really hard. And I think when it comes to to timings and stuff, you know, it is early on in the season. And we talked about this being a multi, multiple or a multi window project. We've we've discussed that before, obviously. But it's it's hard to ignore the short term, and the short term is really bad right now. I mean, really, really talking short term, we're talking about one game. Slightly more, we're talking about three games. And these have been three poor games. So it, it, it's a tough one to to really look at. But yeah. I mean, there's definitely there's yeah. two things there, isn't there? My old boss at my previous job used to say this regularly: you can't fly the plane and change the wings. And you know, in the in the short term, we're trying to uh, do exactly that. Or, or you know, that's the point: we're trying to do something short term and long term here. That we're trying to reset the culture of the club, the identity of the squad. You know, pretty much everything we are trying to reset it. And at the same time, we're trying to get on a journey and you know maybe not win promotion but at least be upwardly mobile and and win football matches and you know managers perhaps use it as an excuse perhaps there's something in it I tend to think there's something in it but managers will regularly say you know oh it it was going to take a few transfer windows to um, reset what we've got and I just wonder if there was too much belief too much faith from the club you know, fans as well externally. I definitely fell into the, the trap of believing that we would be, we'd done the right business and we, you know, we're a little bit light in a couple of areas, but we'd done enough on the whole. You know, is is there is there a bit of an aspect of that, that this is going to take longer than a single window and we are just going to have to buckle in, um, you know, for some kind of, for some difficult times between now and then. And, and the kind of hope is internally is that, there's a minimum viable product that we can get away with until such a point where the squad and everything is 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 kind of set to to make a real assault on on what we want to do. I, I, I don't know. I guess it would help if this was kind of this sort of thing was communicated. We have enough people coming out making statements. Is don't we? You know, is is there anyone that can truly say they know what the expectation for this season was? We can, we can all make guesses based on the little tidbits that came out, but unless I've missed it, it was never definitively said we are aiming to do this, this season. 
No, and also, I mean, I think that that kind of brings us on to the next part, but I, I think we also can't underestimate, you know, we discussed all these intangibles and so on, but another big factor is is the, the you know, the crude fact of we've got a lot of players that aren't up to the standard and we've also got a lot of holes in the squad. Uh, we've also got a lot of square pegs for a system which we, we knew what Ismail was going to bring in to a degree. I'm sure there were conversations that had taken place and, you know, he, he's he's working with a, with a group of players that, that isn't ideal um, and also lacking quality in certain areas. And we've seen some bad performances. We've seen some players play below the the standard required and, you know, areas that are also very thin as well. So that has to be considered. But I think, you know, next point, head coach, obviously extension, the big talking point, especially kind of even more Some scrutiny is. and the magnifying glass is really on him when you've, you've got the, the three defeats in a row um, in the midst of this new contract and a lot of confusion around it to begin with and again not much communication as to as to why really um but you know what what's what's his role in this you know what it, we've seen good we've seen bad it, are, are things been exaggerated because other factors other variables are playing into um into the result and ultimately kind of in people's mind it, it comes down to the head coach or a, a lar- large part comes down to it and you know he's a he's a big problem or is he is he as much of a victim of, of, of circumstances as some of the other players or um, or members of this of this club? Well, I think he is. Yeah. I, first and foremost, let's let's tackle the let's tackle the renewal. Shall we? What what do we make of it? My view on it is that it's ultimately selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Symbolic more than anything else, I think. We all, uh, I said this when when Matt brought it up on the pod a few weeks ago, when the the piece by Adam Leventhal was 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 um, first out. That you know it kind of felt pointless. Ultimately, one way or another, he still leaves Watford by being sacked. That's just how managers leave Watford. Um, 
there was there was no need to do it in, on a practical level. So it is, in my mind, purely symbolic to show that we've listened and we've we've changed our ways and we're going to be patient and and perhaps even, but I won't say I have a great deal of faith in this. Perhaps even that they they know that they've given him a fairly poor squad and that therefore you know they can't expect miracles and and this is about par give or take what they would expect so they want to kind of reiterate their their commitment to standing by him but i think it is ultimately it is ultimately symbolic and and no more so i, I personally i don't read a huge amount into it unless actions kind of their the ownership actions back that up and we and we ride it and we ride it out um through through a bad patch we are already in a bad patch so um it'll be interesting to see how much more tolerance they have for for this before the the pressure amps up again but what what do you make of that the the decision to extend his contract renew his contract at least no i think again this is anecdotal so you you know take for those listening take this kind of what you will but i think there's a appreciation for a lot of the work has been done. I think there's an acceptance of the um, deficiencies that are, are in the team currently and some of the areas that are less than ideal. But I think there's, again, I think there's appreciation for what, not just Valerian Ishmael, but what his coaching staff have done in the time they've been here. And again, you know, this doesn't come across on the pitch all the time and I completely get that. And I'm not... The, the, to, to be clear as well, I've got there's there's no stake in the game for me here. I'm not this massive Ismail fan that is going to blindly say he's doing well when he's not. I'm trying to remain objective and and just work off information I have and the kind of feel that I have from from what I've seen. But I think that there is there there have been positives, and I, I do believe that in a different circumstance and in, in the right circumstance, I think he's a good option. Uh, a good option for what we need to progress. And, you know, we talked about prior to his his appointment, the most important thing for this 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 job, this play, this uh this role, this this head coach position, the most important thing whenever that guy comes in is he's got to be a bridge, someone that's going to lay the foundations for the next few years. It doesn't have to be with him. It could be the successor or the successor after that. But whoever comes in, that's the kind of base blueprint of this football club going forward, how he want to operate on the field, how he want to progress, and I think Ismail is a fine choice. I think he's, I think he's good for what we we needed. He's also got that element of, um, he's got that authority. He's got that element of authority to him. I think he is clear in how he wants to play, and I think he's he's done a good job of adapting somewhat uh, to, to to playing a different style to to a more modern style that can potentially be some more. Um, adaptable as, as time goes on for us and I think that's fine but obviously the the, the results will, will maybe will question question that extension but it does have a message element to it as well you know we talked about potential message it has to the to the fans but also to the to the playing staff as well um and also to him you know it 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 might I'm not sure what the details of the contract will be, but if you're Ismail, is it as simple as you are offered a new contract? So obviously you get more guaranteed money, you accepting it because of that, or is it the club or is the club saying to him, Look, we know the position you're in right now. We don't want this to be don't want you to be working with this in this situation for the next few seasons, but we're gonna offer you, you know, a bit of a sweetener here with some guarantee as, you know, this is what we're expecting to do down the line. 
I don't think personally you sign that contract unless you've got assurances. Whether or not the owner's being truthful, whether or not we'll see these things through, I'm not sure. But what I do, I do firmly feel there is a plan of action. My question is how much? I think in an ideal world, if this plan of action is followed, if the steps are taken to kind of push you in that direction, find that incremental improvement and build upon something, that's great. That's a is always going to be a risk because nothing's a nothing's guaranteed in in, in sport in, in general, obviously. But the question to me is how much pushback are they going to receive along the way? How much do they have to fight the owner to convince um, to do certain things and, and take certain hits along the way in order to progress? And the only positive I'll say is I don't think Gina would have wanted to give an extension. I think they, I think there are members in that team in that club that have had to fight to grant an extension of, of Larry Nismel's contract. So I take some positive from that, but I also understand the optics of it and the timing are terrible. And well, it, well, is the timing terrible? I was going to say, I think the timing's, I mean, I guess having said, is it terrible? I guess I'm about to contradict myself and say it looks terrible now because we're in the midst of a, a three game losing streak. Where we've been that's all I mean. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's I was going to say, I, I liked the timing at least that, uh, you know, we were, Kind of debating after after Middlesbrough whether after these two games Sunderland and Cardiff way both whom are in good form he would be under pressure and they've nipped that in the bud so I, I like that and hopefully you know I want I do want to believe despite my cynicism I do want to believe in the club and that they've done the right things for the right reasons and this is a genuine show of faith and they really like what they see you know that I wrote about this and and you can you can read that if you go to my twitter but that they have said in the past you know we take decisions on more than results it was a kind of a big interview that Scott Duxbury did as i remember uh, on five live after they sacked Kiki Sanchez Flores the first time because we'd finished 13th i think it was in the premier league got to an fa cup semi final and neutral said how can you say objectively that that is anything other than a really good season for a newly promoted club. And and Scott Duxbury said, without saying as much, it was about other things. It was about off the field stuff and and his work at the training ground and and so on and so forth. And so if they're seeing all that and all that is to come is the results, and I guess that's the easier part of it to, to kind of, not the easier part, that's the smaller part that's left, isn't it? That's the final flourish on the, the whole piece. If, if, he's got the respect of the squad and the respect of the higher ups and he manages up well and he's instilled a culture and he's instilled a discipline. And there's a lot of talk and a lot of kind of showiness about Val, the disciplinarian. So if all of that's right and you believe in that fully, then I guess that it's, um, it's, you know, the final piece that's missing and they have to believe that as a result, well, that is going to come, but I am, I am cynical. Uh, So (laughs) despite all of that, I do, I do wonder. I think the thing is we really have to consider too is, again, you know, we Valerian Ismail, I, I do rate as a coach, but there have been other coaches we've had in, in recent years that I've also rated relatively highly. And, you know, if they're, if repeatedly these, these coaches are coming to your club and not finding any success, you, you know, you, you're not, you can't identify them as the, as the sole problem or as the main problem even. So I think Ismail has enough about him and his staff to, be the, the the group that can progress his team, but you have to put him in, in an environment to do so. Now, again, not to say he's absolved from making mistakes or from poor decisions. I thought the the, the change in shape last not last game the game before was poor, and you know, in some ways that loss was on him. But um, that they, they still have to make his decisions, and I, I don't 
I don't hate it as much as some people do. I can accept that not everyone's going to love it, but I personally do see merit to it. I think the the, the bigger thing is the the action that's taking place behind the scenes, which is obviously harder for us to identify and harder for us to analyze because we don't have mm. the full access to it. We have to kind of take in, you know, take intuition and and, and see what we can uh, what we can you know come to what conclusions we can come to based on certain indicators of what's going on. But it, it's a, it's a tough one. So that's one. But I think in in terms of that, you know, that kind of vagueness and that kind of uh, secrecy and Secrecy kind of sounds a little bit more nefarious, but the lack of um, insight we get, what what are the thoughts? I've seen a lot of criticism over the last 24 hours or so, or at least since post-game, post, post game of uh, of Ben Manga and, and his role that he's played. And I think this is one for me, which I think is one of potentially the most misguided. But uh, what what are your thoughts on, on people kind of digging him out and, yeah, and talking about I- the recruitment that we've done? I must admit, this might not make for much debate, but I do tend to agree with you. I'm not really sure what we can judge him on. I don't think that he would have had a massive amount of impact in January coming in kind of so close. I'm sure he, you know, fed into the process, but I I don't believe he would have been kind of appointed to run it at kind of wherever it was. When did he arrive? Like November, December time. We're talking weeks of notice. I mean, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I'm, I'm quite prepared to be wrong, but... I find it hard to believe that that was the case. And then, you know, the summer the summer just gone, let's assume he did run that. You know, that was his first window. Did you chuck the baby out with the bathwater? Because it's his first window and he was operating in tough economic situation under tough economic conditions. I don't I don't think that's fair. The the job became probably something different to what he ever imagined when he joined. I'm sure he was signing up thinking in six months' time, this is going to be a Premier League club because that's the the vision that the owner and the sporting director and the technical director and everybody, you know, Uncle Tom Cobley and all have, have, have sold me. That's what I'm signing up to join, a Premier League club. That's why he's putting his name to sacking Billich and he's putting his name to bringing in Chris Wilder to get in the Premier League. So suddenly it's, yeah. you know, bloody hell, we need to sell players. We need to get players off the books. We need to reduce the age of the squad. I'm not saying he's incapable of that job, but it probably wasn't the job that he expected so I don't, I don't believe that you can blame him. That is if, or lay the blame at his door, that is even if he has been given the autonomy to do it, which, again, I sound like a horrible, cynical, miserable git, but I am pretty cynical and pretty dubious on whether that was the case or not because we know how much Gino, you know, or we believe we know how much Gino likes to stick his oar in. What, what about you? A similar See, kind I, of feeling? I think... Um, a little bit. Di- I, I think that he was perhaps more aware of the the treach- that how treacherous this this job was in the sense that it, it was a, a big a big big job. And I think I, I think he doesn't take too much to look at to look at Watford and, and see quite quickly. Oh, okay, this is not a, a simple turnaround, especially if you're having conversations with the owner. Unless there was some real false promises, there's going to be restrictions. You know, we we talk about repaying of loans, we talk about parachute payments drying up, and so on. Firstly, you know, in regards to the job he's done in the window, I've said this before, but recruitment guys, they want to sign players. You know, if if you have if you have someone come in in this situation, they're not signing players, by no means think that this is a decision that's been made by that by the sporting director to say, you know what, I think we're good. If he's got if he's got funds at his disposal, he's making that squad as strong as possible. And there's no one that felt this team was necessarily strong in terms of depth and depth in quality. There are players he'd want to sign. You know, look at the Tigers who brought in 
we had to be frugal for for a reason you know we can you can discuss you can debate the legitimacy of that reason but see clearly he was giving parameters to work within i don't think you can say it's every deal has been perfect by any means but there were restrictions and I think when it comes to to judging these guys, you, you can only, to be fair on it, you know, we we can assess the players that come in, but without being able to assess the players that don't come in, the deals that fell through, the deals that didn't get um, didn't get over the line, or you know, the deals that simply he put he put a, he put in front of the owner and has been told no, this is not what we're doing. You know, there's there's lots of factors at play. A lot of the times. You know, a lot of times his job is identif- the, the job is to identify the players, find the players that are potentially available. The numbers are not something he's involved in, most likely. You know, they, there might be some element of negotiation, but mm. his job isn't to finance a deal or to 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 kind of discuss the details of a deal like that. His job is to identify and and have players presented to to the to to the group who's deciding upon if this happens or not. You know, Valerian Ismail, again, he also has some some input here and he's been quite outward in saying that he had said no to a certain number of players. Um you know, he also allowed players to go and so on. And look, if you're if you're looking purely short term, you keep some of those guys around because you can't tell me that some of those guys wouldn't have been a help in certain positions at this point of the season even. So you don't just let everyone go unless you're accepting there's going to be some some short term loss for you know hopefully um, potential gain in, in the long term. But I think to say Ben Manga's come in and not done enough is is harsh. Now again, there's also plenty of people that say that praise him a lot and you know have a lot of um, positive things to say about Manga, which you could also equally argue as as unjustified because we haven't seen it yet and i think we have to try and remain to remain kind of objective in our opinion of him because we haven't really had enough to go on and i I think what i'm trying to say is i don't necessarily put that down to him as much as i do how long he's been here and also what freedom he's had via the owner what he can do yeah i think that's all fair and i think that's a good point actually about you you know what he doesn't do as well, that, that that it gets overlooked, doesn't it? We judge them on, on their signings ultimately. I wonder, and this perhaps ties in a little bit as well, if the fact that we've got Manga now and he's kind of, you know, was so publicly heralded when he arrived, it was him that had his name on on Wilder and, and Bilic going, I think. Um, we So we had that. And then with Ismail's new contract, we've had Gioretta's name on it. We've had... Pozzo did something, I think, towards the end of last season, probably put a statement, had a statement put out to his name. We obviously spoke to him this summer. We've had Duxbury making pretty big statements over the last year or so. Does this kind of feed into the role of Manga, but but everything at the club ultimately that these guys touch that from the outside looking in, it's still very unclear who does what, who has ultimate accountability, who really has autonomy for anything when you've got the four kind of main figures coming out at different times and seemingly being the ones that are accountable for the same kind of decisions, which, which center around the identity of the head coach. Yeah, it's, it is confusing. I think there's that you can't really say it's not, I think there's, there's that element of, of it not, it not being clear. We don't know who to put the praise or blame on in, in a lot of ways. And I you know, I'm sure a lot of a lot of the decisions everyone plays a part in to varying degrees, but I, I think in situations like this, you have certain groups of people that just have their intuition is that it's on this person or that person. But 
clearly there's a lot of uh, or a lack of clarity as, as to who does what and when. Well, we've talked a lot about our own kind of opinions. Let's we got we threw it out to the, the our listeners, fantastic followers on Twitter to see if they had any kind of specifics that they wanted us to discuss. I think a lot of it we have discussed, but um, there's some there's good ones. And Jordan, do you want to kick us off? You got one uh, into your DMs. Yeah, I think well, as I said, as you just said there, there'll be some questions we discussed, and if we've if we've kind of already gone over it too much, we won't can't make you listen to everything again but we will at least acknowledge the question um so this uh, from, from jack is a long time listener and sent in various questions before so always appreciate that jack um we have kind of covered this this first one but again it's still it's still very relevant is is this more of a mentality problem than an ability problem and i think we kind of we kind of touched on both that both factors there and i think it's definitely a culmination isn't it and you know, I think it, it depends on action to action, game to game. It seems to to jump between the two and, and oftentimes both. But I think there are clearly issues in, in both regard, uh, in both regards. Is that fair, Tom? Yeah, I think so. That was my 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 gut feeling at the, the when we started summary. right at the start. Yeah. And then part two is something we maybe haven't touched on as much, but is the constant rotation of players hindering us? Haven't checked the stats, but feels like we're making two, three, four changes each week. No continuity. How much does that play a part? Under is that undervalued part? Yeah, perhaps. I I, I think it kind of helps, right? When you consider that we've talked about the importance of him having a full preseason, coming in early. You know, Duxbury talked about this as well. That you know, if you're saying on with one hand that it's imperative that they kind of learn the system and the demands and the roles and all these things and then you have to rotate regularly I, I guess that's not ideal either that said Ishmael regularly uses his five subs regularly uses kind of them in in one in one hit and seems to quite happily rotate his full backs regardless so you know maybe it's a little bit of a problem of its own its own making as well even though we've had got a few injuries and, and whatnot as well is it indicative too of of some of the the questioning of his uh, of his own players that he has at his disposal? Is he not sure himself as to as to the quality he's trying to still figure that stuff out? Perhaps you know that's maybe even like another element to to consider. Does he feel that he's not fully committed to a certain group of players? He's not entirely sure yet because you know, when he was at West Brom, one of the criticisms was that no one really like there were there were groups of players that felt like they were kind of closed out and didn't really have any way in. Mm. At Watford so far, it's kind of really he's been using pretty much all the squad, isn't he? There's not there's not many in there that are kind of left to rot. So, and I know it's a small squad, obviously, but um, that there has been a lot of change. It does, you know, it does affect things too, and it's been hard. But you know, also we've all, we, we can't forget we've had the element of the factors of you know, injury and and those sort of absentees, which we were concerned about coming into the season. So. But for me, it's definitely a factor, and I think it's one that's maybe not been as as discussed yet. You know, you talk about the fullbacks changing almost weekly, changes in midfield, the centre backs doing the same, but that's not exactly been great. And then you've also got striking options have been limited, then changing now. It's just it is it has been a bit tough in that regard. I'd say so. Good questions for me. Mm, no, agreed. Um, firstly, Nico Riley says, any other right backs other than Ngakia? How about Dan Gosling, free agent, I think? Oh, this was in response, I think, to someone else who asked if there were any uh, free agents out there that we should be or uh, uh, kind of looking to solve a, pro- a problem with. Is that, is that, firstly, is that an area that you would target with a, a free agent signing if you could? And, and secondly, is there anyone that you've kind of got in mind? Or... 
uh, a free agent for another area. Because personally, I don't think I would rush to deal with right. I don't think I would rush to deal with right back. No. If if we if we if we've got a certain budget to allocate, right back would be my first choice. As though, although I think it's a weak position uh, within Gaki there. Obviously, without Brian Andrews now for three games, it's not ideal. But I think you you probably don't address that. Um, the in terms of free agents, you know, it really depends what you want to go for. What, what do you identify as the biggest problem, and what do you identify as being the biggest kind of pool of talent in, in from a positional sense that's available. On a free transfer, obviously, it's some. It's hard to say with some um, other players that are listed as available because there's various reasons to why I don't have a club. But I mean, is there anyone which that was very to you? Much, have you looked for the list at all? Yeah, I just I was just looking. I should have done my research ahead of the show, but I was um, just looking at, it and this was very much um, Valerian Ismail's point, wasn't it? That anyone who is a free agent at this stage of the season, there's probably a reason, and they probably don't possess the requisite um the requisite quality to come in and, and and do the job that he needs and he's been very picky yes i am very much filling uh here as i look on transfer marks okay, do you, free question, agents then. go on question do you know do, what do you know why Tarek fossu's not got a club i didn't realize he did he was at he was at brentford he yeah, he's yeah. listed a free agent. He was at Brentford, formerly of Oxford. Wasn't kind of very promising and lively in their promotion. Yeah, yeah that's an that's an interesting one. I think, that club. I think for me that the the key area to sort out is that kind of central midfield, holding midfield, someone that can sit in. It doesn't necessarily need to be a ball winner, but someone that's going to sit in there and and protect the 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 back four, right? And and free up essentially Francisco Sierralta so that he can go back and be a cent. Not yeah, he's done particularly bad. Say. Liam, in my mind, but you know, so he can go back and be an option there because, let's face it, centre of uh, centre of defences has been a, a bit of an issue for me. So if I had to say a name, I'm going to give you one, and this is assuming that this is uh, up to date and what have you, I would go for Josh Onama, who was at Fulham at one stage, only 26. I'm kind of surprised he's a free agent. Or, and I must admit, I don't know much about him, but we were linked with him when we were in the Premier League, so it seems like he might be a bit of a coup. Uh, James Lee Saliki, or James Lee Saliki, who was, mm. I think, was he Lille? Okay. Possibly, central midfielder. Yes, I believe uh, so, yeah. I, uh, I posted him years ago. Rent, I'm sure we were linked yes, with yes, him yes. when we got promoted back to the Premier League. And, we were, I remember, Needless to say, didn't sign him. I remember but, making... I remember making a graphic on him a while ago. Um, okay, one name I thought, which which could be a, a, a cultural disaster in regards to creating a good environment, but Yanam Villa being available is also interesting. He's one that I feel like we might have been linked to for mm. a while. He's one of those players that a few top teams were linked to over the last 10 years, seemed every window. Um, okay, I'm going to throw a couple of names out here. See any, so give me your response. Um, this won't be a bit of a... Maybe people think this is tongue-in-cheek, but Phil Jones? Seriously, Phil Jones. Well, I saw, he's there. I saw, I'm just saying his name's in the his name's in the card. What what, what are you saying to that? Yeah, yeah no, firm no, firm no. The, the, the best no, no, ability okay. is availability. Right. He's, the geezer's never available. I saw someone throw his name yeah. out the other week. No, I don't... <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't disagree, but I thought I had to say it. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I'll this isn't my out. choice. I'm just throwing a name out there. Okay, someone now who legitimate option I would be interested in. Timo Horn, goalkeeper. Ah, oh, was he Stuttgart? I recognise. Indeed. His... Uh, yeah, I recognise the name. Yeah, I... Oh, sorry, I, sorry, it's not Stuttgart, it's Colin, FC Colin. FC Colin, oh, fine, okay. 
Well, I can't. I'm not going to say I've seen him play, so I'm not. You know, I'm not best placed to um, to make a judgment. But put it this way, I think goalkeeper is an area that needs some attention because there's absolutely no pressure on Dan Backman, is there? And you know, I've been a Backman yeah. defender, but I I will go with the kind of wisdom of crowds here that it's a it's a it's a big problem for us whether he comes in to push him and take over or take over immediately. I'm I'm definitely not um, yeah. definitely not opposed to it. He's played in the Bundesliga for for quite a while, hasn't he? So yeah. Problem is, are we, is he, are we going to drop a captain? Are we going to drop a new contractor player straight away? And and this is a fair and this is um, a fair point that people have made. You know, it does kind of put Batman up on a perch and make him um, undroppable, essentially, doesn't it? Um, the, yeah. the the new contracts and and that. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a tough one. It's it's one of those that you you might make yourself playing on Football Manager. I don't know if the club would ever con- contemplate it. Yeah. I don't want to say names for the sake of it that aren't viable or have any sort of you know relevance to it. Um, okay, what about? Um, okay, so I just lost my. So I'll, I'll give you. I'll throw another one into the mix just quickly. On, who I've just seen is available still. Peter Atabo is available, and I thought he did well in very yeah. limited kind of outings for us, thanks to injury. Still only twenty-seven. Yeah, that bit more kind of combative. Um, Central midfielder, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I could see him probably fitting into a. Based on very limited viewing, I must admit, I could see him probably fitting into a into a, a physical Ismail side. Yeah, for sure. Um, Andre Andre AU. Blimey, do you know what? I wouldn't hate it. He's a very rest of the season deal. Yeah, exactly. I know he's kind of he's old, isn't he? he must be about 33, 34 by now. But he was, you know, he was at Forest last mm-hmm. season. He's got that. I don't know, just like irritating fly kind of um, yeah. quality about him, hasn't he? You know, he runs the channels. He does a bit like his brother. He kind of runs the channels, does the hard work. He's got a little bit of quality now. So, you know, we'll probably pop up with a few goals, uh, mobile, hardworking. Yeah, I, it's not one that's going to get the pulse racing, but I could see the logic in it, certainly. Play a few roles. Okay, and obviously, obviously, all these all these players we're talking about have a lot. There's a lot of downsides to these guys. There's a reason why they're on the list here, and there's a reason why we haven't got them already. So, just to add the context of, we're not going out and saying we've got to go out and sign these players. These players are great. This would be a great fit, and so on. But we're trying to have a look and identify some potential room for improvement. Okay, this one is maybe a bit of a pet of mine from back in the day. But without a club, Alex Vidal, formerly of Barcelona, Seville, yeah, Espanol, yeah. Don't know a huge amount about him other than he didn't really get a look in at Barcelona, did he? I don't think. But um, yeah, okay, but interesting. Fullback option, depth, yeah, yeah, wing back, wing, maybe gives you some extra quality. All right, we won't spend too much more on that. Otherwise, we'll just be going through a bunch of random old players from back in the day, like Stefano Akaka, who is without a club right now. Is he? Years old. Get him back. I'll tell you um, what, if you want a big is, physical yeah. striker <laughs> that can't do 90 minutes, that's your man. <laughs> Bring him back. Tell you what, the, the biggest impact Okaka's had is for me to this day when I write OK and my phone it autocorrects to Okaka and I think <laughs> that's amazing. How um, many times did you write Okaka <laughs> on that phone? Apparently, <laughs> apparently more than OK, which is unbelievable. Yeah, um, staggering. All right, so questions. I can't. We we yes, spent a lot of yes, time so, with that question. So. Yeah, so that was a, a kind of a mashup of Nick O'Reilly's question. And lebike.co.uk, there you go, lebike.co.uk, a bit of free advertising for you. Um, <laughs> Cheshire, sorry, blimey, Cheshire Chef 666 asked, why are we so shit? I think we've, we've done our best to kind of cover that from... <laughs> 
different angles across the last hour. Ben Slater asks, uh, just says, the fact the players didn't even clap the fans at the full-time whistle doesn't require a, a huge amount of discussion, but I think that's just appalling, really, when you consider so far yeah, that's away. That's shocking. I hadn't heard mm. that. No, nor had I. Midweek, it's on a version of Sky, etc., etc. Cost of living crisis, all these things. You know, the, the bare minimum you can go and do is pretend you care. Um, and and that, that does tie in with the kind of cultural reset, doesn't it? And this idea that, you know, and this kind of thing that was being said, which is they're more likeable this season, um, you know, that, that that doesn't really fit in with that particular world, does it? Um, Hampshire Hornet, what's worse, our midfield or defence? It's an interesting question. Jordan, what do you make of that? Defence. Defence. Uh, uh, we didn't want to talk about Sunderland, yeah. but I think, you know, Case in point being the uh, the, the so called defending last night. A um, bit more of an, another quite nice one here that, or is a genuine question here, I suppose, rather than uh, uh, something flippant. What for Data Hub? What is our best formation style for the limited quality we have? What would you, what would you do with in, in kind of summary with that group? What do you think if you're going in to do? Val's job how would you get them set up and and how would you kind of essentially instruct them to to play um I think I think we like, I don't I don't hate what he did initially with with our shape I think maybe you could be a little bit more pragmatic at times I think I, I think more than anything I, I I like plan a I think we could we could have forced plan a a little bit more at times and, and really tried to to kind of wrestle it into into working you know I think there was a level of acceptance to to it not always being perfect and us conceding goals where we maybe shouldn't do and um and, and taking some risk but I respected the commitment to it and I think over the course of the season we'd see more good than bad from it um I think we'd play more teams that we could we could be effective against them with that style than not um especially at home but what i would like to see more than anything is the plan b be a slight change in in focus and approach be a little bit more direct you know last night i thought i'm watching that game last night and i'm thinking why aren't we just why aren't we trying to be barnsley of 2017 2018 whatever it was 2019 I, the years are all messed up for me 2021 <laughs> 2020 and then what it was anyway why aren't we trying to be that Barnsley why aren't we being a little bit more direct why aren't we being more aggressive with the ball why why are we going from you know being that team in control dominant to, to being passive so in terms of shape you know I'm open to to playing around a little bit 3-4-3 three, three at, at times perfectly fine if we want to slip Syriata back into that centre-back role again maybe look to do a little bit more of what he did at Barnsley but in general I, I think with the, the coach we have and the way he wants to play I haven't really got a problem with it we could do better perhaps with um, some personnel you know maybe at times just look and see what other things we could do at six if we want to try something else maybe even drop two players in to be in that deeper position and, mm. and give more flexibility um, to that kind of holding midfield position uh, alongside Syriata perhaps or whoever's playing in that in that six role um so i wouldn't deviate too much i think it's just having the the alternate option is is the biggest thing because we're going to have games like last night and if we can't go for plan a i'm just games of last night the last three games you know maybe middlesbrough we could have done but i think it's fair to say Leeds would be a struggle and even Sunderland would be a struggle as well in, in the way they operate so have a have a, a bigger shift in gear i'd say but i'm not sure that really answered the question or not what, what do you think tom <laughs> I, t- I tell you what, two things I would do. I, I agree with you, I think, because the, we're kind of limited, there's not a, a vast amount you can do. And I didn't hate the first few weeks of the season, as I said, right back at the start. But there's a few things I would do. Number one would be absolutely 
start Ryan Andrews basically every week because there's not a lot of pace in this team at the best of times. He is one of the few players that's actually blessed with some pace. So I, I would be starting him. And if you need to close it down, then maybe you bring Ngaki on. But I'd be starting him as number one. Number two would be ensuring, and obviously, you know, personal circumstances made him unavailable last night. And obviously our thoughts with Mateus Martins and his family. But Mateus Martins needs to be a key man within this team. And I would be having, I would be making him uh, a pretty integral part of this along with Yasser Spirit. I think if you have those two guys on the on the, the flanks there, that is that is a good two surrounding flanking the centre forward. I like them on their kind of their wrong sides as it were, cutting inside. Mateus Martins has been dangerous doing that this season already. We know um we know Yasser Spirit is, you know, then you've got the opportunity for the fullbacks to go outside of them. Sierra Alta drops in and the, the final thing I would say is commit to Ryovic and commit. It's all very well and good, kind of building up, building up. You can do that to a point, but I also think there needs to be a point where we're just quicker and we are more direct when we get to a certain area. And that means putting crosses in, that means putting balls in the box for him to get on the end of. I just don't think we've given him the service he thrives off of. And, you know, it's it's, it's fine being a, a limited you know, player. We don't expect a vast amount more from him, but... If we signed him knowing that, then we have to play to his strengths, and I just, I just don't think we've done, we've done that either. You know, get the ball in behind early. I don't think he's completely useless on the floor by any means, but I think he thrives on, um, yeah, getting in behind early and getting, getting his head and his foot and, and stuff on on crosses. So I, I would do kind of more of more of that. So I don't, I don't think it needs a total, total and utter reset by any means, but I, I do think we just have to be a bit more. Um, bit bit smarter and also think if if the evidence of last night is anything to go by the amount of times we got into areas where we could have done something dangerous or effective and the final ball was wrong or the final decision was wrong or whatever so maybe don't overcomplicate it in the final third let's just get crosses into the box let's go direct when we have to you know yeah agreed agreed a couple more here we've got Luorns. Have the recruitment team owner not realised after nearly four years that a successful team always has temperamental physical players who understand the game from a communication and organisation standpoint. Despite our team is full of players who lose their head at the earliest sign of adversity. This was something we actually didn't come on to. I kind of talked a little bit about the character of the, the squad and lack of leaders and so on, but the amount of players yesterday that um, threw their toys out the plan, displayed kind of petulance. You know, Batman got booked for descent and Gaki and then he managed to get himself sent off at half time. I did jot down a couple more instances of this. Can I see them in my notes? Probably not. Um, no, I can't. But five yellows and a, and a red funny. card. It just, you know, just generally was it was it is it's an issue but yeah we do lack i think those players that have a bit of oomph and nastiness and leadership and all, all these kind of intangibles right i think we've we've touched on that i think yeah i think alan asked a question last week about discipline and it was again yeah. a prime example of lacking that you know seeing seeing dan backman run up as the captain you know, in round losers i think it was a, a descent issue with him too wasn't it like a, yes there a was tackle, yeah. foul whatever and then the level of descent you know daniel backman comes steamed up and not not to protest you know not to essentially influence the referee in any way going for, for the game going forward and apologize or you know manage it however he saw fit he went up there to moan and got booked you know that's just it's just naive it's just naive poor poor quality stuff from from the captain there and 
you know, I think what, what Luke is saying is true. We, you know, we do, we do lack that element. And it's always the problem with this is, you know, you don't want to, you don't want it to be all Jake Livermore's who aren't on the pitch. You know, you, you want it to be players that are, are capable of, of bringing that level of, that level of nous and it's a, it's a different quality. I think the thing is when you, when you can describe those traits, it almost sounds somewhat, um, negatives to say you know it kind of insinuates that they're lacking in other areas to say they've got those attributes but it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that and I think we we have avoided it for too long we we, we haven't perhaps valued it enough um there have been definite times when we we've we've included it into the team we've been better you know we can go we always go back to that season where we brought in the likes of Ben Watson and Matthew Connolly and, and those sorts of signings and I think it really did bring an element to the team that we lacked and it was a very similar makeup of squad in the sense that we we felt at the time although things were going much better we did feel we could have, we could have identified we were lacking those pieces and clearly the club managed to identify that too and we were mm. we were able to supplement the team we had with it so why we've avoided that in recent years I don't know but I, I would I would have to say that it's clear that we're devoid of it and would be very naive and almost mad to to ignore it going forward. No, agreed. One of the things I actually jotted down last night was Joby McEnough on co-commentary. I think he was winding quite a few people up. I actually thought he spoke a lot of sense. I suspect you didn't get this version in, in Canada, but no. one, of the, one of the things he said was, I do see a lack of leadership, maybe something created by the culture above. And I, I do I do think that's a, a, a thing. There's something in that. And he also said, it's not just ability. Um, there's question marks over characters in the dressing room. And I, again, you know, same point, but brought it up at least twice. And I think I think he's absolutely right. You look at that team and, I, you know, I said at the top, you know, there, there are players in here that have got international experience and so on. But And one of them is Wesley Hu, who Anderlecht fans warned us about his kind of slopey-shoulderedness and, and blaming others and so on. But you do have to say a guy that cost Southampton 15 million a few, a few years ago, has played for the Netherlands, has played... I think it was for Lazio, you know, decent sized clubs. What's he doing here at 29, you know, that should be in his prime years? It rather suggests that there's there's something there that they end, he ends up at Watford. And I think there's, a, a, yeah, there's a, a, the risk of repeating myself, which I know I have. We are devoid of leaders and proper characters. Somebody that, like John Eustace, who, you know, was never going to win any awards for pretty football or you know, this, this, the sort of football that he um, played. But, was also just professionalism valuable. and game management and you know yeah. like he, he doesn't have to be this like physical combative authoritarian figure it can be someone who just has the you know the, the football IQ to to know how to, to to manage games in certain situations and how to see you know, see yourself through certain stages of a match and we, we do lack that and it comes in different forms different you know shapes and sizes and whatever but in every form, it seems like we're lacking it, and this this squad seems to be to be extremely thin in in that regard. No, agreed. Final one, I'll leave it to Uncle Ron. The, the exact phrasing of of what I asked was, "We're podding shortly. Any specifics you want covered?" And he replied that the owner is destroying the club. He has provided a squad that is inadequate both in both numbers and quality, and his decision to give Batman a five year extension was something no other owner in world football would have made um don't necessarily agree with it but he said a lot of things in recent times and it's hard to argue with with parts of that the the squad i think is inadequate in in terms of quality and depth in a lot of positions as well yeah i think Anything i think what's add? become very yeah i think what's become very clear over the years is gino is 
a bit of a gambler when it comes to squad. He's, you know, he, there's been a lot of occasions where we've had these positions where it's been very light or, you know, going into a season without a left back or with no backup left back starting the season with an injured one. Um, essential midfield issues we've later had to address because we've had an injury and we've got no one had to dip into the free agent market and bring in the, the Carlos Sanchez's and so on. What I will say is for his, his gambling record in these situations is horrific. He loses every time, it feels. <laughs> Um, every time we go into a season and we, we have these questions, they, they seem to be answered with a, you know, you've got to go and find someone and we, we find ourselves there again. So yeah, look, the owner has to be, has to be culpable in, in, in these situations. And that's, you know, it plays into our opinions of the, of, of the, the technical director and the head coach and, and so on, because ultimately it is up to the, the owner to allow these, these guys to work together to, to find solutions and they have been slightly hamstrung by the fact that we're willing to take big, big risks and, uh, and hope for the best. Agreed. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up, mate? We've covered a lot, but is there anything you still want to get out? No, I think that I don't want to bore everyone to death and, you know, I'm sorry if we didn't talk enough about the Sunderland game, but we assumed that most wouldn't want to play back too much of that. Most saw it. And if you didn't, then congratulations. Cause it was not, <laughs> it was not great viewing, but um, no, I think I just want to say thanks for the questions again. Um, everyone that sends them in, we try our best to answer them. If we don't get to them or give them a good enough answer, then you know, I do apologise for that. I hope we can we can get to them next time and, and give something a little bit more satisfying. But we tried our best to, to cover it all today without rehashing the same things over and over again, at least. Well, thank you once again for your fantastic support. At a time in Watford aren't a lot of fun to follow. Doing the pod is something that we look forward to and, and your engagement really makes it so um, th- do keep that up we really appreciate it you can make sure that you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your pods and if you want a little more Watford buzz in your lives follow at Watford pod on Twitter Jordan's at Jordan Weimer Matt is at Messi Messiano and I am at TB Bodell finally if you really want to help us out you can leave a review on iTunes it really helps push us up the algorithm or subscribe to our Patreon for ad free podcasts to help support with our running costs. We really do appreciate our patrons. Thanks a lot for listening, and we will speak to you after the Cardiff game this weekend.